0: This is amateur hour and certainly glad to have you hanging out with us. Danny Wexelman, Darren Sutton, the only podcast devoted at this level. Anyway, we like to say to amateur baseball, we have fun and we're enjoying your following. We're enjoying your support. We're enjoying your feedback, certainly subscribe, share it with your friends. Like we make sure to try and find either amazing stories of prospects or just flat out prospects and have in-depth conversations um, we have the scouts' perspectives on all these shows, and uh, we got a unique one this week. But Danny, I'm kind of excited because Edwin Arroyo is a favorite. I think what what makes Edwin Arroyo, who by the way is a high school senior, actually has graduated high school, is continuing to play some academy baseball, but uh, is a high school graduate who's going to go pretty high in the draft. Was a PG All-American, the number one player in Puerto Rico, but his background so unique, his family so committed. I think that's the better, for me, part of the story. He can play, and I know he wants to talk about that, but I love the family angle and the commitment they've shown to him.
1: Edwin is so thoughtful when it comes to his family. They are all in Florida with him right now, mom, dad, and sister, and they love to spend time together. And throughout, I think, his journey through baseball, growing up, coming over to Florida, committing to Florida State, his family has always been his backbone. And I think that they're a major part of who he is, why he is the way he is. And he plays for them. He plays for Puerto Rico. He plays for his family. He plays for all those kids in Puerto Rico who grow up wishing and dreaming of being major league players and don't always have the resources for it. And he knows he knows that he is lucky to have the support of his family and the resources that he has. And I think that if he gets an opportunity to make it big, to really go the distance with Major League Baseball, then he's gonna be a guy who walks in Roberto Clemente's footsteps.
0: Zach Cable was a catcher and a pretty good one. As a matter of fact, when you take a look at his graduating class of 2016, I'm going back a few years, folks. He was the 57th ranked catcher in the United States as ranked by Perfect Game. That was 2016, it's 2021. He's at Oklahoma State. He went to Chattahoochee Valley Community College. He now goes to Oklahoma State. He's now a pitcher, and he throws 100 miles an hour. His story, his journey, his stick to itness. I-, I love this story.
1: Okay, this guy is awesome. We had such a great time with him. He's super calm, super relaxed, but his story is literally anything. But we love a good junior college story, first of all. He yes. went to the junior college world series. He came to college as a catcher, as a catcher. He ends up turning into a starter. He gets Tommy John surgery in 2017. He's that committed to being a pitcher that he goes through with that surgery. And now he's lights out for Oklahoma state. That's Josh holiday's program. And he talked about how it was just kind of a match made in heaven for him to head there, but he's a gritty juco guy who is now, Earning the opportunity to play for this incredible D1 program, and he realizes the riches that he spoiled with because he earned them. But this guy is just like a gritty, dirtbag pitcher catcher mentality, and he spoiled us.
0: So every week we share a slice of the pizza pie that is perfect game college baseball. It's heard each week at ten o'clock on ESPNU, ten o'clock p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. Either Danny or I host that show. And it's co-hosted by Hunter Pence. We, we like to just take kind of Hunter's conversation with a coach or an athlete and uh, really good stuff this week. You actually hosted that show. You're going to keep hosting a lot more of these. But um, you, Hunter, talked to Kevin Abel, of course, College World Series fame a couple of years back when he was just a freshman at uh, Oregon State. Now he's thinking about his pro prospects and going back to the College World Series.
1: So we were treated to a conversation with, as you mentioned, a College World Series hero as a freshman. Kevin Abel coming back from Tommy John surgery now it's been almost a year since he'd been on the mound for his team and his first start back wasn't great it wasn't anything to write home about but the point was, is that he was back and hunter had a really great conversation with him coming back the way that he pitches his mentality on the mound hunter obviously very passionate about meditation and getting your mind right so they had a really deep conversation about that it was great it was it was really cool. Kevin talked about being a championship caliber player, which means that you brush your teeth like a champion. So that means two minutes every day, you don't mess around with that. It was awesome.
0: Awesome, I love it. A little hygiene, a little cleanliness. I like that. I, 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 I'm gonna listen just for that very reason. Um, you should. But I, actually, I actually like him as well. It's good to brush your teeth though on occasion. That's a quick reminder. Look, if you learn anything on this show, you should brush. probably brush your teeth. I mean, that that's the In most circular important circular
1: motions. Thing. Too.
0: Brian Sikowski, Jared Goodwin, and Vinny Servino all brush their teeth. They all have pearly whites. They will host our vignettes, our Scouts' Eyes segments. They're all wonderful riders. They're all really studied scouts and coaches. And um, just one guy. We asked them, Danny asked him, uh, you know, the lead producer of this, this fine podcast. Give me one guy that you've seen over the last couple of months and break them down and go deep. That's our podcast. So let's get started. I'm glad to have you hanging out with us. Amateur Hour, folks. Well, this is multiple conversations uh, that we've had. Danny, it's fun because you know, it, it's fun to have the three of us together, but I love talking with Edwin Arroyo. There's energy there. Um, there's excitement, there's optimism, there's uh, transparency, Edwin. You're always very honest about who you are and even things that you're concerned about in your life. Family matters a ton to you. Um, so thanks for hanging out with us. This a little, as I told you in a text, this maybe a little bit more of a casual conversation. We've had conversations with two cameras around us. We've had conversations over the radio, over the phone during a pandemic. So this is kind of fun. You made a choice, and your family made a choice. You know, things a little tougher as far as getting out and playing in Puerto Rico. You're very proud of being, you know, a Puerto Rican and from Puerto Rico. That's home. But right now, no. Right now, Central Florida's home. Right now, Orlando and Kissimmee is home. Um, How tough has that move been? Even though family came with you, has it been tough? And then on the flip side, what are the positives of it?
2: Um, to be honest, I moved um, just to play baseball. And my family moved, you know, because of me. So, like, I finished my credits in, in Puerto Rico. So we were like, okay, we in, in Puerto Rico, there's not going to be baseball. So, you know, I want to be a baseball player. So I want to, you know, keep showing the scouts and everybody that's um like looking at me um my tools and and you know all my 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 good things and my bad things so they can know who i am so um my family and me we we decided to move here um to center point um you know and i think that was a the best option we we can make because you know that being you know right now that being a a good experience. And, you know, and in every game that there's at least like three scouts. So, you know, that, that was the, like the, the, the point of it. So, you know, I'm just playing and and my family's working. So I think, you know, we, we, we are fine.
0: So many layers to what you're talking about. And thank you for sharing that with me. There's so many layers that come to my, come to my mind, the baseball player and the son in me who played like you, I think about a perspective. The dad in me thinks about uh, the perspective. The dad who has a job thinks about that perspective. So here's 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 my thoughts. You're lucky, you're, you're lucky. A, yeah. your family's lucky that you're, you're, your dad works hard because as we all yeah. know, finding work is not always easy. Yeah. Uh, your mom works hard because finding work is, how fortunate do you feel? And how fortunate do your mom and dad feel that not only did they do this for you, look, they did this for you. Um, but then they found work, right? I mean, that's important for their self-esteem. They wanted to be able to work to provide all those yeah. things coming together. Do you get what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah. And my dad, he he owns a school in Puerto Rico, so like he moves and he left the school with with some with someone there. So it's not the same thing, you know. He got to keep traveling back and forth because you know it's not gonna say it's not gonna be the same thing without him there. That he's like the owner. So, like for example, tomorrow he's leaving to Puerto Rico to to a school. Like he, he's gonna stay there like one week, and then he can come back. So you know, it's not easy, but you know they do it for me, and I'm I'm proud of that. You know, and you know, I gotta I gotta say thank you for them. Yeah, you're a lucky, dude, man. Lucky dude. Yeah.
1: I always feel like whenever we get a chance to speak with you, Edwin. You- you're always using the word proud and, and grateful and thankful. And I'm so impressed by that. And although you're not in Puerto Rico right now, you're never really far from home, right? Your, your roots are always within you wherever you're going. What makes you the most proud to be able to represent Puerto Rico now? Committed to Florida State, that's a huge deal. You are making your family proud, but what makes you most proud to represent your home country?
2: Um, You know, there there's, In Puerto Rico, it's difficult baseball right now. So, like, thinking about that, um, and I'm moving here, um, and doing my job, you know, makes me, like, proud because, you know, a Puerto Rican can can prove that the Puerto Ricans can can be good players, you know, they can do their best, they they can have, you know, their opportunities, too. Um, So, like... I want I am always proud you know doesn't matter if I'm in Florida Puerto Rico and Alabama um I'm always proud of, of being Puerto Rican and 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 you know I'm always going to be
1: What kind of support system do you feel like you have coming from Puerto Rico? There are so many incredible um, Puerto Ricans in the game who have played um, that you're able to probably look up to, hopefully have conversations with. I feel like there's a brotherhood that's a bit more tight knit. As you mentioned, it's not always easy. Um, The resources aren't always there. The fields aren't always in shape um, uh, or the support just in general. Uh, Baseball is an expensive game to play. So what kind of support system do you have with your Puerto Rican? roots
2: you know the 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 players that are in, in in MLB like they they are they are pretty good mm-hmm. you know that's a that's that's a good support because you know they can like for example to myself they compare me to to Francisco Lindor a lot of people mm-hmm. so that that's a, that's a, like a good support because you know I'm comparing to to a great player you know that um he, I hope he can take a good contract in, in you know, in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, my, my family has been there. Not only my dad and my mom, you know, my whole family in Puerto Rico that they play baseball. Um, you know, this is like, not everybody can be Puerto Rican. So I'm still going to be proud.
1: <laughs> it's a great answer. Great answer.
0: Yeah, that's awesome stuff. Uh, there was a point in your journey when the Cleveland Indians allowed you to be a part of their baseball academy. And that's special because, you know, a lot of times it's only for the guys who have signed. What was that experience like? What do you remember about being a part of the academy, you know, where players have been developed? I mean, obviously, the great shortstop was developed there that we've talked about a lot, certainly before coming up to Florida. But what was it like to be a part of that baseball academy when the Indians invited you?
2: Um I went there and my, my trainer works there. Um, So when I went there, you know, like the players were kind of impressed that a Puerto Rican was there. And, you know, they were asking me a lot of things, you know, everybody was like asking me things, but you know, that was, that was a great experience. The coaches were asking me, they were, they were, you know, training me great um i feel like like you know like a pro player right there because they give me uniform the hats everything um i was there practicing with them um they give me food everything you know that was a great experience um i hope i can you know go there doesn't matter if i'm in cleveland or not (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, but, you know, it was a great experience, and, and you know, I know how they treat me. And um, their personal trainer is, is mine. It's, it's, my it's, it's my trainer, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm good with that.
0: That's outstanding. What a cool thing you were able to do that. Since my dad played ball, I got some invites to stuff like that, but I'll never forget it. I didn't have your skill set, but I'll never forget the experience of being invited to be a part of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Your sister, your sister also made the sacrifice, and I don't want to look overlook your sister, Keisha. Um, she's a good volleyball player, right? And yeah, very, very good. So tell me a little bit about your sister, her athleticism, how proud you are of her, how sometimes you'll get out and volley with her, because I know you like to play the sport too. Tell me about your sister.
2: She, she has been playing, she first, uh, before she played volleyball, she was a. Uh, um, she did gymnastics. So after gymnastics, she she goes to, to play um volleyball, and she was doing pretty good. So she stays there. Um, like I say, my dad owns the school. He opened that um that sport volleyball. That that school is, is really good at volleyball. So she was playing there, and and um, she's not too tall, so she was. Playing a, a, I can say like a different position, not like, I don't know how to say it in English. Not an outside, so, yeah. The, well, there's yeah. The libero,
0: libero is the defender. Yeah,
2: she's libero. She's libero.
0: Yeah, the liberos um, are the best, man. The liberos <laughs> are the best. I broadcast that sport. Continue on. She's a great defender, like you at shortstop. She's a great defender.
2: Yeah, she she she's a great defender there in in libero. So. Um, she has been improving herself there in libero, um, and she she was not training. She was only practicing, and I was like, "Come on, you got to train. You got to you got to have some power." Um, so I, I, she started training with me, and my personal trainer, um, like for two months, and she she got ready. You know, she got motivated and. Um, after that we moved here and right now she she's training she she keeps training that that's good because she she keeps motivated but she right now doesn't have like a a, a team we are looking for that to her but you know she keeps practicing and you know I'm proud for her you know to keep working on that to you know to see if she can found any university a good university for her in volleyball
1: Edwin, uh, me dijiste que tu mamá es la persona que te calma. ¿Cómo?
2: Yeah, mi mamá Mm -hmm. es es la persona que me calma.
1: Sí. ¿Y cómo?
2: Um, ella es la la persona fuerte en la familia. Mm -hmm. So, que ella siempre está pendiente a mí, a mi hermana y obviamente a mi papá este y quiere que todo vaya recto todo vaya bien uh-huh. no quiere que como que por ejemplo en la escuela no si no hago un trabajo o algo me regaña um, igualmente si a un, Como y no limpio el plato, me regaña si no bota la basura, so, uh, cosas así. So, yo diría que ella es como que fuerte en la familia, pero como que era la quiero y la amo, so, <ríe> eso no me quedo porque en algún momento me iba a tocar, so, mejor aprendo desde ahora. That was a
1: lot. That was a long answer, Edwin, a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> I believe what you said was your mom is the strength of your family. She takes care of you, your dad, your sister. She goes above and beyond. Yeah. She makes sure you, you do your schoolwork. But I believe you said School. she's she's cleaning. She's, she's taking care of everything um, and making sure that yeah. you're staying on top of everything as well. Did I catch most of that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I did okay. <laughs> Pretty much we're working on it we're working on it so (laughs) good you know good good spanish
0: that's so good i'm 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 humiliated i'm married to a chilean (laughs) woman as i've told you before she can speak spanish and here i sit like it's embarrassing so thank you danny (laughs) thank you danny i appreciate that i I, I do i do no, well, I good. asked,
1: by the way, we should say, t- I asked, he, Edwin, Edwin told me that his mom is the calming person in his life. Um, and, you know, everyone has the role. So I asked how she was calming in his life. I tried anyway. I attempted. No, that was a I great thought, answer. I thought I that
0: was good. Vinny Servino covers perfect game at the college level, does an incredible job. So I'm not sure where he's going to land with his one guy. Let's have him open up his notebook, put those scouts eyes on a very talented athlete, just one.
3: This is Perfect Game College Supervisor Vinny Servino, and I'm here to talk to you about some of the standouts of this young college baseball season so far. Uh, One player I wanted to highlight was right handed pitcher Gunnar Hoagland. He's the Saturday starter for Ole Miss. As you know, Ole Miss had a very good start to the year, uh, ascending to number one in the country before losing their home series against UCF. So they're still a top five team, and Hoagland's a big reason why. Uh, He was a first round selection by the Pirates out of high school, but ultimately turned them down to go to Oxford. And he's been on our radar since then. being a starting pitcher for the Rebels on the weekend, and generally showing some of the stuff that made him stand out when he was in high school. He's a big, big, big right-hander, 6'4", 190, with good mechanics and good command of his four-pitch repertoire. He's got a fastball that now has taken a jump in velocity, and sits up to 96 miles an hour, mostly 93, 95. Uh, before, he was more of a 90-92 finesse ready, and now he's a power arsenal right-handed pitcher. Uh, Slider, curveball, changeup, all very good pitches. The slider is something that he likes to go to often, and he really does a nice job of tucking it underneath the hands on left-handed hitters and really getting right-handers to expand the zone and chase. He's been very good to start this year with a 2-0 record and 21 to 3 strikeout straight-to-walk ratio, and he's a guy that you'll probably be seeing in the first round come July's draft.
1: First of all, it's an early morning, um, and we know that for him, but also an opportunity to talk to somebody who transitioned from a premier catcher to now a premier pitcher for Oklahoma State. So we're bringing in Zachary Cable. Zach Cable, welcome to Amateur Hour. How are you?
4: Good. How are you?
1: Oh, we're awesome. We're we're up early this morning with you, and I am so fascinated by your story. And I'm not sure if everybody is familiar with the journey that you've taken to get to where you are right now. And and reading up about you and, and the lengths that you've gone now to get to where you are as the pitcher. But you started as a catcher, and and um, you had an incredible arm. There were um, some flashes of you on the mound that that everybody saw, but walk us through the moment that you realized that you could actually get drafted, not as a catcher, but as a pitcher in major league baseball.
4: Um, I guess it was when I I was in the bullpen one day when I was in junior college and we were just messing around uh, throwing off the mound and we all had a radar gun out there and my head coach kind of walked up and I was putting up some, you know, pretty good numbers. And he just kind of walked to me and said, Hey, you want to, do you want to try this? And I mean, from that day on, it was, it was, I was no longer a catcher. I'll put it that way. I was, I kind of knew that day, like this could be my calling.
1: So Chattahoochee Valley Community College, um, you go to the junior college world series, you pitch there, um, you get a win for your team. I, I know Darren and I have worked that event together. I think it's top five, one of my favorite things I've ever done. But I also think that there's something to say about those who play in junior college before they go and do anything else. And and the grit and just the relentlessness um, that is inside of the guys who play at junior college. So what, what's your experience playing there? And how do you feel like it makes you maybe like a cut above guys who haven't played junior college ball?
4: Um, Junior college is definitely like, it's, you don't have all the resources and all that that you have here. So that definitely, um, it makes you a little bit more gritty in a way I feel like. Um, like we, uh, I guess like the the, t- the difference from facilities, all that, um, meals, like here we have meal plans, stuff like that. We didn't have any of that in junior college. And it's like, you know, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, here I feel like M- just kind of wealthy. And then there is like, you know, not, you're nothing. So um, in a way, I guess it it just, it was a lot tougher there than here, I guess, just to take care of your body, like everything like that. But here it's like, it's, it's awesome. I mean. It's
0: interesting Zach though, to listen to you describe junior college, you know what it sounds like to me besides a a bag of chicken biscuits or steak biscuits at Hardee's uh, on a road trip. What it sounds like to me is pure, and this is not at all because where you're at, you've earned. Just like if you pitch in the big leagues, you've earned. But it sounds very pure. Does that word apply to junior college baseball? Kind of untouched, kind of similar to if you got 18 of your buddies together and played ball. The purity
4: of it. Describe it. Oh, it's 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 definitely a different um, atmosphere. It's like a it's a bond. I mean, like outside the field, there's not a lot to do. So it's I mean, it's you and you and just those guys. You're just hanging out all the time I mean you see those guys every day it's some of the closest relationships you'll have which I definitely think benefits on the field for sure um so that makes sense that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah and the relationships
0: you know almost like a band of brothers traveling together again without a huge budget um again earning the right to be here which is cool I want to go back to an answer you gave because to me it didn't go nearly deep enough um, when you talked about the bullpen that you threw with your buddies at the, at, you know, out of junior college, and you just said the words, Hey, I'm no longer a catcher. I got to go way below that answer because what exactly happened? Because, you know, I could say, Hey, I'm 28. That doesn't mean I get to be 28. There was a reason right. you said that you're no longer a catcher. What exactly happened in that bullpen?
4: Um, you know, I was, I was in there and it was the first time I had gotten on a mound since really in high school. Um, and I was touching like 95, 96 in the bullpen, and it's just my coach literally walks up and say, "Just like you want to try this." So next thing I know, I'm on the mound. Um, I believe we were playing Tallahassee Community College, and I mean, I at first when I was pitching, like I, I had no clue where the ball was going. He, my coach was like, he was completely okay with it. He was just like, "Yeah, just throw it as hard as you can. Eventually, it'll come." And I'm, mm-hmm. I probably. That, that first time out, I think I threw 14 pitches and 12 of them were like off the backstop at like 96. And he just came out and he was like the happiest person on earth. He's like, that was awesome. I was like, that's kind of like, dude, were you watching the same thing as me? But um, yeah. And then we just kept rolling with it and rolling with it. And then like, eventually it just got better and better and better. And uh, I actually earned my first start as a freshman. I went I want to say it was five scoreless and uh, he pulled me and that was the outing right before I had Tommy John. So like from then on, I was I was a pitcher and that's all I wanted to be.
0: So it's interesting real quick. Sorry, Danny. I, I always picture kind of and I've seen the video of you throwing at a perfect game showcase in 2015. And, you know, again, you were just you know, you were there because you had an arm. You hopped up on the mound because you had an arm. We've all done work around the house, no matter what it is or work on a car. And you're looking for that right you know, piece, that right part, that right tool. And when it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. It just is, is off. But then when it locks in, you can go to work. Mechanically, wh- were there times when things just made sense all of a sudden when you didn't feel awkward, when maybe it was something that you tweaked in your delivery, maybe something it was slot with your arm, maybe it was, maybe it was just tempo for you. What kind of helped you become a pitcher for lack of better words to settle in to get that right piece that right
4: part for you? I think it was it was figuring out a rhythm for me at first, especially at first. It was just like I I was so like wound up, out of sync. I was just, you know, letting it eat to no target. Um, and I think we we developed Rhythm, that was our big focus was just like, we added a glove tap in there. So like I would take the ball out and tap whatever and throw. And I think that's really when it started kind of clicking. It was just like, I have that tempo, I have that rhythm and I'm going to the right direction now, instead of, you know, flying off, doing all this other stuff.
1: I, I'm just thinking about the transition that you're making um, from the opposite side of the plate. And I'm thinking about like, how do your workouts change? Um, how does your mindset change on the mound? Do you still feel like you're controlling the game and, and have a piece of that with you? Or did you kind of relinquish that when you moved to the other side of the plate, um, and got on the mound?
4: I definitely think being a catcher had benefited me from a, like a, you know, kind of hard nosed kind of gritty kind of person because like workout wise, it's, I actually have pretty much done the same, um. I did go away from it a little bit after Tommy John, but mm-hmm. once I came back, like, and I was healthy, I went kind of, I went right back to it because I felt like those were just, those were the best for me. They made me, you know, they put me where I needed to be. And, um, you know, as a catcher, like all those catchers, I'll give it to them. They're they're probably the toughest dudes on the field. So um, I, I think it benefits me for sure. Just having to, you know, sit back there all those years and deal with getting beat up every day. So, it definitely helps.
1: Yeah, I feel like the the spotlight changes a little bit because the guys behind the plate are, are nitty-gritty, like just taking it wherever. Like they are the protectors of the field. And on the mound, um, it's a totally different mentality. Like if I'm in the box, like what am I looking out at with you on the mound?
4: Uh, I mean – Honestly, I think it's, you're looking out at that same catcher kind of person. They're like the same mindset is like, that's, that's what I have when I'm on the mound. Um, like I'm coming after you and that's, it's kind of what I like to bring in a way.
1: Um, yeah, that's a great answer. I, I like hearing that.
4: Dee. Tell me about John.
0: Tell me about John. Sorry, Dee. Tell me about your brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, uh, jumped ahead of you on this journey. Um, we could tease you that you're a little bit older for your spot, but your brother is older. And uh, right. he, he he jumped ahead of you on this journey, independent ball, Georgia, caught. Um, I'd love to know about your relationship with John.
4: Me and John, we're, we're super close. He's actually, he's doing really well right now. Um, so when I came home um, from cr- like the Corona part of the, you know, our season ended, I came home. So I would, I just, I trained with him uh, every day. Uh, and I, I think, like, I want to say he lost, like, 20, 30 pounds. I mean, he's just cut up now. He oh. looks really good. And I think he's just really looking forward to coming back out in his independent season. I mean, he's he's, – I'm super excited for him. I hope he just goes off. He's going to play some more, huh? Yeah, he's he's going back for this year. And, I mean, he, he wants to play as long as he can. He loves it, so – that's awesome.
0: Real quick, tell me about your dad, Mark. I know I know you mentioned some of the impact he might have had with you, with conversations with Tom Holliday. Obviously, you played for his son, Josh. But uh, kind of
4: introduce me to your dad, Mark, and the relationship you have with him. Me and my dad, we're, we're super close. I mean, I, I talked to him pretty much about, you know, I have a bad day. I, that's who i calling. I'm calling him or John, I guess. But he always kind of has the right things to say, right places to put me. Um, He's always pushed me very hard. And then like, he's the same way with my youngest brother and my older brother too. I mean, he just, we were all super close with him and he's always wanted the best for us, which has been awesome.
1: I I just had one more. I'm so, so fascinated by the Savannah bananas and just like everything that they do and that they're about. So like have to ask you about that experience. Like paint me the best picture you can of what that was like playing with them.
4: It was so, it was the most different experience for me. It's like, I I loved it. But like when I first got there, I was kind of like, I was like, what did I get myself into (laughs) at first? But but I I definitely embraced it. Um, You know, it was, they made me do, no, they didn't make me. I had to do a player dance one day.
1: Right about and, that. And I mean
4: yeah. it, it was it was the worst thing ever. I I was so bad. So I told him I was like they would have like a ring dude on who gets on top of the dugout and like walks around with like a ninth inning and it's like take the shirt off so I said I will do that every single game if I don't have to go out there and dance again. <laughs> um so that's they were like okay fine like go ahead. Um but it was it was a cool experience to be honest. I think it just kind of brings like Sometimes baseball is so serious and it's like that that was fun. So mm-hmm. like that that definitely brings back the fun in baseball. Um so
1: it looks like a wild time.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Awesome.
0: Yeah, man, it's your generation. Your generation's gonna make it fun. You're gonna make it fun, you're gonna make it more diverse again your generation, and we're going to have fun watching you guys play Hey, real quick. The one thing that you know we, we shared in common, the Tom holiday experience, I got recruited by him. Um, I obviously think Josh is great. I didn't have the guts to go as a young man to Oklahoma State like you do now. But the one thing that we don't share in common is that as hard as I threw, even though I'm 6'5", and as much as I grunted, I maybe could touch 90. You have gone up there close to triple digits. Getting comfortable with triple digits. What's it like to have a radar gun or some sort of technological device like TrackMan tell you you threw a hundred?
4: Um, it kind of like it definitely fires me up. I mean, and especially like when I know there's they're around. It kind of it gives me a little bit. I feel like of a boost. I'm like, you know, this is kind of cool. It kind of gives me a little bit of adrenaline. Um, but. You know, honestly, like for me, it's just, I kind of, I kind of try to keep it one day at a time. Like I I really want to keep going up as much as I possibly can. So, I mean, it's cool. It's definitely cool, but I I really want to keep jumping up as much as possible. Yeah. Outs are just as cool, aren't they? They are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely are. I mean, All right. that doesn't matter if, it's, if I'm sitting there throwing all over the place. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I've done the throwing to the backstop thing like you did early on, too. I was right. actually a pro getting paid to throw it to the backstop. So, <laughs> uh, you did it at the right time in, in your journey in, in junior college. Hey, thanks, man. This is cool. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Scout's Eyes segment and open up your notebook and basically tell us what you've seen. We love this segment because PG Scouts are on it, they see thousands of players every year. And so, let's start with Brian Sikowski. Brian, one guy, one guy that has stood out a ton to you, break them down in depth.
5: One of the more interesting storylines in college baseball this year has definitely been guys who are off to super hot starts, and one of those definitely belongs to North Carolina outfielder Justice Thompson, who through the Tar Heels' first seven games is hitting .520 with four doubles, two bombs, uh, good walk numbers, three stolen bases as well, making highlight plays in the outfield. He's off to an incredible start. And there's an interesting backstory with Thompson in that he's a JUCO transfer. Yeah, he's a JUCO product. We you know, we've talked about JUCO quite a bit uh, on perfect game media over the years, as it's it's something we're passionate about covering. And he's one of those guys. He's from Tampa, he's from Florida. We saw him play a, a decent bit at, at BCS stuff in Fort Myers when he was in high school. And then he went on to Northwest Florida State out of high school. That's a that's a pretty perennial powerhouse junior college in the the panhandle of Florida there. Um, and he was good right away. That's when we kind of started hearing his name more on national radars. Like, hey, th- this kid's pretty good here. You know, he's, he's athletic. He's lean. He's really packing on muscle. There's going to be a good bit of power there. That's the kind of stuff we started hearing about him. And then he played really well as a freshman at junior college, and then more muscle kind of came into play, and as more muscle came into play, more power came into play, and he became even more of a high-profile guy right around when he he committed to North Carolina, in fact. And then last year, given COVID and given the draft being shortened, uh, there's a there's a pretty good chance that Justice Thompson is drafted out of Juco and, and never makes it to, to North Carolina if the draft would have been normal. Uh, but given that it was shortened, he headed to North Carolina, and, and obviously uh, the draft's loss is the Tar Heels' gain there, given, given his hot start and how, just how good he's been. But yeah, very interesting backstory being a Juco guy who who really developed well at that level and is now obviously starring on a national level at the, at the Division One level.
0: Another opening of The Notebook, our Scouts Eyes segment, Jared Goodwin, who has coached at the college level, coached at the high school level, certainly ran a great travel ball program. Jared, pick one guy, one guy that you have seen this year, and open up The Notebook, break him down in
6: depth. It's been a fun start to the college baseball season. Uh, a lot of these guys haven't played in a calendar year due to COVID-19. Uh, not a ton of these guys played summer ball, so it's, it's our first look kind of at how they've developed over the last year, who's taken the step forward, um, which guys have, have kind of used that uh, that quarantine time wisely and, and really put the work in and found ways to develop. One of those guys is Wes Clark from the University of South Carolina. He, uh, he He's just absolutely dominated college baseball so far. Uh, in 2020, he was off to a great start, 16 games. He had a two eighty six average and eight home runs. Um, this year he's already matched that home run total. He's hitting five, 560 on the year right now. He has three games that, that he's already produced multiple home runs during the contest, and one of them was a three homer game. Uh, he's slashing a, a crazy OPS of 2294, uh, mostly DH, six, six of the eighth games, but has gone behind the plate in two of the games. Uh, I know that's going to be one of the things that's looked at really closely to see where he plays, but uh, obviously won't stay on this rampant pace. But if he continues to produce and, and has some consistency, this is just the bat that's going to be followed extremely closely all year, and we should hear his name called really early come July.
0: Every single week on SiriusXM's ESPNU, Hunter Pence is our main host. Uh, Danny and I will co-host, along with Hunter, Perfect Game College Baseball. 10 o'clock Eastern, every Tuesday. It's been fun to watch him dive deep with coaches to remember his time as a college baseball star. Last couple of months have been incredible. And the coaches and the players are responding as well. This week, it's Hunter Pence with College World Series star from Oregon State,
7: Kevin Abel. You know, controlling the controllables. You gave your cha- your team a great chance to win. Uh, you you know, getting back healthy is is, is such a, a win and in, in the baseball world for someone like you. But these Bugs Bunny change ups, my friend, like I don't see them very often in the big leagues. And to watch what you had two years ago before before the Tommy John. Um, You said you had it at 10. So it's one of the craziest pitches to me, the changeup. And this is why I'm so fascinated with it. Everyone says the best pitch in the game is the fastball, but I disagree. You can throw 84 mile an hour fastballs. If you have a nasty changeup, you can see people succeed in the big leagues for a long time. Uh, How do you learn this? What's your grip? How did you get the feel? And how do you get that deception with the arm speed and the ball with that crazy movement?
8: Um, It started when I was young. I just, uh, I was taught. To always keep the arm speed up, right? We're just throwing—we're throwing a fastball, and all we're trying to do is hold onto the ball as long as we can. Um, the grip's pretty standard; it's a four-seam grip. Um, I don't do a circle. Um, I like to keep my thumb under to the middle. It lets my lets the ball kind of roll off uh, onto these these fingers here and gets the thumb out of the way. Um, but yeah, your arm is natural process to slow down is going to be to pronate. So the longer you can hold onto the ball, the, the more you're going to be able to to get over the, on the inside of the ball and create that fade and run. And the more you keep your arm speed up, the more deceptive it is to the hitter. So it's just something that I've practiced a lot. I've done a lot, a lot of changeups over the years. And so it's just been something I've uh, become quite familiar with. I know
7: I, I've been harping on this a lot, but with this changeup up because it, it really is unique to see who taught it to you, uh, does anyone on your team try to pick up the same changeup as you? And and yeah, you like from practicing at ten. Can anyone just pick up the changeup that you've thrown without years and years of practice?
8: Um, so Dewey Westgate is who taught it to me. He was um, uh, a family friend, and he kind of just taught me the basics of pitching, um, kind of the basic mechanics, and try to. And he taught me how to be aware of my body and be able to make adjustments on my own when I was very young. So very appreciative of that. He showed me the grip and really just taught me the mentality of keeping the arm speed up and letting the grip do all the work. Um, it's changed since then. Um, been very minor. So it's mostly been just throwing it, I guess. And teaching other guys, I, I kind of try to give them the same cues, but uh, it really just takes time. Um, some guys are able to pick it up. Some guys aren't. That's just how it is.
0: I always think of Troy Percival when I think about catcher turned pitcher. And for a lot of people listening to this podcast, I get it. Like, they don't even know who that is. And I'm fine with that. Um, You know, obviously, he's not even a college coach anymore. That's the fun part about it. He coached for a while in college at UC Riverside. Got burnt out by all the rules and regulations, especially dealing with COVID at Riverside. But he was an incredible catcher. And then he was an incredible pitcher. And he won a World Series championship with the Angels. But I I love the story of of Zach Cable. And I'd love to see him someday win a World Series championship wherever he goes. Heck, maybe he'll win something in Omaha this year.
1: Zach admitted that he's not great at dancing. But I don't think you have to be great at dancing (laughs) to be a great pitcher at any day of the week. And he's gritty. He's confident. And he's good. He's really good. He committed to getting Tommy John surgery because that's how much he believes in himself and his stuff. He's got the mindset of a catcher and the arm of a pitcher.
0: So I'm I'm a parent and and sometimes we always say we'll do anything for our kids, right? But to uproot where I live and then to take a job, um, well, not even have a job. And for my wife to stop her job and to have a new job for our kids, I, I can't relate to that. I have empathy for being selfless for our kids, but I can't relate. And that's what Edwin Arroyo's family has done. Um, It it doesn't make Edwin good or bad. It doesn't make them good or bad. It makes them very sacrificial. I just love the story. But I think more than anything, what I loved about Edwin is he gets it. He understands how much they gave up and he wants to help give it all back to them as soon as he can.
1: He's totally in tune with that concept. And I think that for someone his age, it's always impressive. I, I also think it's always impressive when you commit yourself so fully to a sport or or to something that you're so passionate about because you know that it can help you and it can help your family and he's really in it to win it It, there's no other option for him this is it for him and um, I can hear you like doing your little stretching over there
0: Hey, look, you're the young, you're the young host. I'm I'm 50 plus years old. It's it's exhausting to host a whole podcast. I I'm I'm beyond tired right now. Just I Are have you, to stretch your shoulders and,
1: tired from carrying the yeah. show on your back.
0: <laughs> no, I didn't carry the show. You carried the show. I'm tired from keeping up with you. Continue your <laughs> fine thought though. I want to hear you, the rest of your thought. As do all the listeners that downloaded, they subscribed, they shared, and they liked. Then they unsubscribed and they resubscribed again. They want to hear the
1: rest of your thought. I got to get you a script for that. So I, I just think that for Edwin Arroyo, it is Major League Baseball or nothing. And he's put all his chips, his family's put all their chips in this basket because they believe in him that much. There's a reason he's the number one shortstop and player in Puerto Rico from the class of 2021. He's a Florida State commit. He is in it to win it. And he's humble enough to realize that he's been given... A lot in this world, and he can't wait to give it back. and And he says it. He he's just so in tune and and so understanding of that concept that you sometimes forget that he's just a teenager.
0: Yeah, this has been a fun show. I love it that we're in the middle of high school season. Danny and I are recording this podcast, The Perfect Games High School Showdown. Which by the time you know we drop this podcast, you know it will be going and high school's being played. It's being played all over the country, which is good. Hopefully. All, all these outstanding athletes are being safe, but I think I think the one big thing they can do to get them through some time where they might not be playing is to what do they do for this podcast? What do they need to do to support it?
1: Subscribe, please. Subscribe. Comment.
0: Do you Comment. Like it.
1: Comment. Share. Share. Like.
0: Like. Okay. Please. All right. Yeah, that's it. That's that's what you need to do. Amateur hour. This is. It's has. This has to be quite a thrill for you to listen to this. I'm just going to leave it at
4: that.